We are now a mere two-ish weeks away <laughs> from the NFL draft. Marcus Mosier, I am getting a little anxious, a little nervous. Uh, New York Jets, this feels like a moment for me. Uh, I was talking to my dad the other night. We're going to be in Vegas for this. But we're venturing mm-hmm. out to pretend uh, like this is a big moment for our franchise. Like we're the ones being drafted. Um, I am getting ready for my individual team here. How are you getting ready for the NFL draft? I'm, I'm so involved in it right now that I'm dreaming about it. My wife said I was sleep talking about the draft, <laughs> oh just doing God. a mock draft in my sleep. So yeah, it's, it's completely ingrained in me now and I'm just counting down the days until we get there. Okay. Look, everyone out there listening, what other podcast, do you know, where the ho- you know, one of the hosts openly admits to dreaming about the NFL yep. draft. I challenge yeah. you to it's, find it's a sickness. It is. I'm not, hey, we're not happy about it. We, it's a badge <laughs> of honor. It's how much we care about it. Welcome in mm. to the game day podcast. A reminder, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you get it, uh, share it. Uh, we are having a blast talking to NFL. We just finished our sort of uh, off season wrap up division by division, which was fun. I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to that uh, and really throw more of a betting component into that, Marcus. But this is about the draft, and this episode is largely about the draft. We'll talk to Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. Love covering this guy. Uh, really enjoy his uh, thoughts on Twitter. We'll talk about quarterbacks, running backs, and other elements of the draft coming up and get his perspective. We'll have more guests in the weeks ahead as we really get into this thing. So, Marcus, you mentioned uh, sleeping and dreaming about the draft. I love your perspective in terms of, of, of who you're watching, what you're watching, what you're learning. Is there a revelation? Uh, we're going to do your mock draft today, part one of it, uh, which I'm really, really excited to talk about. So part one of your mock draft, which I got a sneak peek of, is a little bit different than maybe what people are reading. That's a little bit of a tease. But are there any other you know, revelations when it comes to certain players that maybe you felt a certain way that you're, you're not feeling that way, you feel better about? You know, where, where are you at in your process? I, I just think right now Adam nobody knows anything I think we know who the first pick is and that's just about it and I think I, I think we're starting to see some you know consensus picks and a little bit of group think when I think when we get to this draft in two weeks it's going to shock us how off and random yes. and unpredictable it is so that is my thought now that we are like 14 days away yes again part one of Marcus Moser's mock draft we're starting at the top we'll work our way down uh, we talked about kind of going the reverse order, Marcus. I like this because mm-hmm. we know where number one is. We'll get that out of the way. And I think the the intrigue is what you're talking about, how much that will change over the coming weeks. It should be fun to break down. But first, of course, we have to do our weekly segment of fill in the blank. Um, I enjoyed this, Marcus. This one has some draft. It has some various things. And, of course, it has a little Julian Edelman who has retired, thought he was cut, uh, people are still questioning uh, whether uh, Tom Brady is in his future or not. Of course, the mm. other conversation is what is next for him. So I ask you, Marcus, Julian Edelman, blank, a Hall of Famer. And, you know, you, you've got to decide one way or another, yes or no here. Yeah, he is in the Hall of Famer. I mean, he's one of the best playoff receivers that we've ever seen. But for you to be a Hall of Famer, you need to be the best two or three receiver in the league for a long stretch of time. And as much as I like Julian Edelman, I think you can make a pretty good case, Adam, that he was never a top 10 receiver in any year that he played. I know his playoff numbers are gaudy and they're ridiculous, uh, but you you need to be able to do a little bit more in the regular season. A great player, just not a Hall of Fame worthy player. Yeah, there's no, no, isn't. 
Strong isn't, okay? And I'm not just saying that as the Homer Jets fan, but there's some of that. Like, look at the the wide receivers, I will say, get a really tough, uh, bad they rap do. when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Like, guys like Heinz Ward, um, you know, like there are people in line well before him. And I do think we overrate playoff moments. That's not to say they're not important or cool or the man didn't carve out an awesome legacy uh, in Boston where, of course, but, but they ain't Hall of Fame worthy. You know, it, it's just not. The numbers right. aren't. Yes. Uh, the impact was significant. The moments are amazing. That's okay to be that guy. Like, we don't have to elevate everything to this weird Hall of Fame. I, I, I was actually shocked. I know this is what we do, Marcus, is like that, that's what it always comes to next is are they, aren't they a Hall of Fame? I'm actually shocked that the conversation is, like, is, is happening because it's not even close in my regard. Homer, yeah, I think it's just because he was so good in the so good in the playoffs, right? And in the Super Bowls, and the story is really incredible, and he makes a couple big, big catches in the Super Bowl. But this one's not all that close. All right, and speaking of Lashawn McCoy, he mm. he felt the way mm. I did, and he, his his flat out answer was when asked about Julian Edelman, Hall of Famer? Question mark. No, come on, man. That's what Lashawn McCoy has to say. And then of course Lashawn McCoy makes his campaign to be a potential hall of famer, at least putting himself in front of Edelman. So I ask you, Marcus, LaShawn McCoy, same situation here, blank, a hall of famer. I kind of think he is. And actually uh, I know we were kind of preparing for this question pre-show and I started to look at the numbers. He's 22nd all time in rushing yards in NFL history. He's like a hundred behind OJ Simpson. Uh, he has more rushing yards than like Jim Taylor and several other running backs that are already in the hall of fame. He had a stretch in his career with, I believe it was nine straight years of at least 1,200 total yards. He had a 20-touchdown season in 2011, six Pro Bowls, two All-Pros. I kind of do think he gets into the Hall of Fame. I, I think it won't happen right away. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think eventually he will. So I had to refresh myself like you did on McCoy's numbers, and they're pretty staggering. I mean, they are they, very good. They are staggering. You go from like 2010 to 2014, even, I mean, consistent, durable. Um, I don't think he is because I think a lot of people are going to have this moment that you and I are having, like, wait, like it's a guy whose numbers and legacy probably are a little bit off kilter. Um, yep. But I think he's got an interesting case to be. Like, I, I thought it was, I think his comment is a hilarious and B, there's some validity to it. I still don't think enough people hold him in that highly high, high like regard but in looking at his numbers that's a career man like that is a career yeah. that that dude's had Fifteen thousand total yards for scrimmage he does have two super bowl wins um he didn't really do anything in either of the super bowls but hey he, he they're on his pro, pro, football reference page if you go and look at it i i get it. i think it's going to be one where maybe seven eight years after he retires he gets in but i, I do think he will um, I, I think that will be fascinating. And again, it'll be interesting to see uh, the way that lines up, but the dude has been doing it for a long, long time. All right. We know that Bounty Gate is becoming a movie. Kevin James is playing Sean Payton. I don't know about that, frankly. Uh, I'm just not sure on, on that fit. Um, okay, whatever. Uh, blank NFL scandal should be a movie. Marcus, I, I'll go first. Deflate Gate. Now, now, but here's okay. the thing. You can't do Deflate Gate as, as it is an actual movie because it would be really boring and pretty terrible, like Aaron Football. What I want a movie to be is like the 
like an over-the-top Tropic Thunder version of Deflategate. <laughs> I want us to be able to manipulate the truth a little bit. I want us to add a little fiction into this, make it more dramatic. The parties involved are enormous. Cast that baby fascinating, right, with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So if you give me that Deflategate script and I can muddy the truth a little bit and, and you know, I don't know, add a hitman in there or something and, and, and make sure I get the R rating and, and then I'm going to work with it. Yeah. I like that one. I, I got one. It's not really a movie, probably more of a documentary. I, I need a 30 for 30 on the Des catch in green Bay in the playoff game. Like I, I need the behind the scenes look of Dean Blandino looking at that replay and his thoughts on why that's not a catch when everybody who's watching that game thinks it's a catch. Uh, it's probably one I wouldn't watch just because it's going to be too heartbreaking, but I need, I need every little detail that went behind that decision. That'd be another one too, man. Add some fictional elements into there. The fix was in. Uh, yeah. Give me like Michael B. Jordan playing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a little behind the scenes, like the mob is calling this in in real time and they get, I mean, Oh, I love Des caught it. What do you mean fictional? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Non-fictional. You're right. Um, (laughs) Okay, and now a little draft one before this, the rest of the show becomes very draft-centric. Uh, Chris Mortensen, this is what we do this time of year. I'm not even going to knock more. Like, we, we get long in the draft process, and, and, and we just start saying very weird things. So talking about Justin Fields, mentioned that he played uh, high school baseball and that his throwing motion um, has messed up his, uh, his mechanics. The pandemic may have impacted it. Um, Marcus, it's strange, so I ask you, Mortensen's comments on fields are blank. A little out of context, because if you watch the whole video, Mortensen's actually defending Justin Fields, and he's praising him. He's basically saying once he has time to you know, really work on his mechanics, he's going to be an even better quarterback. But when you see that little five-second snippet of him saying that baseball messed his arm up, it makes for a good Twitter clip and stuff, but it's not actually the truth. So I think it was a little bit out of context. That's fair. I didn't see the entirety of the clip, but I appreciate the context. I think it's just a sign there. They are a sign that the draft needs to be here. Like that, that, that is what, mm-hmm. this is what we do every time. Um, yeah. I, I, I just don't, I, I think his mechanics are actually okay. Frankly, I don't think his yeah, mechanics are that bad. That's the other thing that jumped off when we talked about it. This is what we do every year. Uh, I haven't heard more enough uh, anonymous scouts, Marcus. That's the only other thing that would have made this better is some. Oh, we're, they're coming up in the next two weeks. You're going to hear anonymous scouts like crazy. Don't oh, you worry. God, I hate those human beings. So they are not involved. They'll get even weirder than that, by the way. We are not done being weird. I guarantee next week, next pod, we will have mm-hmm. something like this in there. And the last one, of course, uh, voluntary off-season Zoom workouts the uh the nfl is trying to do what it can in, in still navigating covid trying to figure this thing out so i ask you marcus voluntary off-season zoom workouts are blank necessary why do we need to have 90 players in a gym uh working out you know allow let them be home with their families these guys are they're adults they're professionals they're going to be in shape ready for the season we saw it last year at the football couldn't have been better. Uh, I think it's smart and necessary. I think it's smart too. Like the rest of the universe, people are realizing that uh, we could do this from afar and mm-hmm. still be pretty productive. Now there's nuance and emotion and, and there's other things that I think you lose while zooming versus being in person. You'll get plenty of that. 
Like, fine. it's not like you're going to be absent of it. These guys are going to go back and do their thing. I actually don't have uh, much of an issue with it, uh, and I get it. I think the NFL is in a really tricky spot in a really interesting time here as they try to navigate whatever the coming months are going to look like. Um, months, uh, not the question with the draft. It is weeks. We will talk to Eric Edholm next from Yahoo Sports about all things draft and see where he thinks the 49ers are going to go with that number three pick. Very excited to welcome into the podcast. It's been a couple of weeks in the making, navigating spring break, and of course this whole NFL draft thing. Uh, Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports, who covers the draft. Uh, Eric, first and foremost, uh, thank you for joining us. Really excited to get your insight here. Uh, I'll start broad. Um, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from this thing, uh, but this has been a really unique year. Of course, last week, uh, last year was really unique. In terms of information, in terms of scouting, in terms of the way teams are gathering information, how different has this cycle been than the ones that uh, came before it? Yeah, I know nobody wants to hear about how the baby is birthed, but I mean, from my perspective, (laughs) you know, just gathering information has been almost all on the phone. It's been hard to obviously meet up with people who you know around the league. And I wasn't even at the Senior Bowl for the first time in in several years, so that changed my... uh, uh, off-season rhythm a little bit and uh, you know the combine getting canceled but yeah I think we at least had a little bit of a dry run you know from the NFL perspective for last year with um, you know the vast majority of pro days being canceled you know obviously a lot of uh, interruption to the the normal flow and schedule of everything so you know that that's at least helped prepare them for the visual aspect in, in terms of interviewing and you know, I'll be curious to see how much weight is put into some of these pro day workouts and whether those, you know, weigh as much as a normal combat. Eric, I got two questions for you. Number one, how many uh, prospects have you watched so far? And two, what is the last two weeks of this? Like, are you just scrambling trying to watch every like division two division three player that you haven't seen yet? What are you doing to to get ready for the draft? Yeah, there's a, there's a file I have in my uh, Google uh, sheets called uh, guys I haven't gotten to yet. And it's getting longer, not shorter. This is, this is a problem as we get in within the two week range here, but yeah, there, there's always a few players that it's hard to track down tape for, as you guys know, this is a, it's like the wild west for all 22 tape this year. So a little tricky trying to do our best calling schools if we can and things like that. But yeah, I, I, you know, I enjoyed my little week off for vacation. But now coming back to a mountain of work is uh, changing my perspective a little bit. All right. So, Eric, let's just dive into, I think that there's just like this working foregone conclusion that it's Mac Jones at three. In fact, a little off air uh, before we came on and we were talking, uh, Ryan, who helps run this podcast, had some thoughts on that. Uh, not the most positive thoughts. As thoughts are very kind, I would say. <laughs> yeah, thoughts. Air quote thoughts. So, but it does feel like there's steam here in the betting markets. Uh, Mac Jones now, I, I looked yesterday, he was like minus 225. I think um, today at like minus 180. And it feels like this is, this is going to happen. You get that sense as well. Yeah, when the trade first went down, my editor said, hey, you know, what do you want to write on this? And I said, how about I just sit there and say, Let's assume Lawrence goes first, Wilson two. Who are they trading up for? What is the, you know, what is the, the most likely order? And I came up with Lance first, Jones second, Fields third as kind of a distant third too. And that was based on some, some prior information I had gotten. So, you know, I, I suppose, you know, the 49ers going out and looking at him and his pro at the second pro day is evidence that they haven't closed the door on it yet. But I don't know that you make that trade up if you don't have at least one guy that you're pretty in love with already. Right. I mean, 
it's not, it's, it's a little more, a little less blind faith in what the Jets did when they moved up for Darnold because they didn't know what the Giants were doing it to that year. But so as time has gone on, you know, like you said, the winds have blown towards Mac Jones. Now, would I personally be trading multiple first round picks to get up to move, you know, to move up to get him? You know, it's a bit like selling your house to get a brand new Camry, you know, it's <laughs> sort of, you know, it's reliable. It'll get you where you need to go. Is it going to set oh, the God. neighborhood on fire? Probably not. You know, is it going to be a little car in me? I don't know. But yeah, so it, it certainly feels like that is likely the case, but you know, I'm, I'm I'll be still curious if there's a last uh, debate there in, in San Francisco. Ryan's listening to this and, and congrats on the new camera. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. You know, give me like 200,000. Uh, yeah. Eric, how much stock should we put into these pro days? Because I know we're, you know, Trey Lance is having a second pro day. Justin Fields had a second yeah. pro day. Do they really matter? Like, are, are the 49ers going to change their opinion on who they're drafting at three because of a pro day? I have a hard time believing it. Yet, at the same time, you know, we mentioned there's no combine this year. There's no private workouts. There's a player who threw the ball 300 and something times at the FCS level. You know, Mac Jones only has 17 starts as, as well as Lance. So the sample size are small. And for Trey Lance, obviously, it's – a lower level of football, a little more projection, um, but he's younger. I mean, you know, there, there's so many ways to, to weigh this debate. You know, I think these coaches are, are hyper-prepared and they want to cross off every detail and they obviously can have their teams afford to pay for these flights and things like that. So just seeing how the ball comes out of their hands, seeing the command in terms of getting the receivers lined up. Sometimes they're unfamiliar receivers, you know, guys they haven't worked with regularly, you know, how they kind of control the setting those are little things that, that may end up mattering more than, you know, a short shuttle time or, or how many completions they had in their script. So they matter. I don't know how much, but it, but it's a, it's a great question. I I'll be fascinated to see if there's any change of heart there. Eric, we talked uh, Marcus and I a little bit about Justin Fields. You had Chris Mortensen come out and talk about baseball, goofing up his mechanics. Uh, I made the joke on Twitter. That's what I've been saying about my golf swing forever. Why it sucks so bad. Um, But so I think Fields has got to be a fascinating study and I'm curious to get your thoughts because watching him this year as a college guy, like there were moments of brilliance and you look at Indiana, um, you look at Alabama, you look at the big 10 title game and you saw some like pretty bad throws uh, and athletically he's amazing. So uh, I, I get like, again, going to social media, it's like, Hey, Fields is three fields is at three. He's the guy. And, and I could buy that. And yet I have some, concerns in watching them too so i'm curious because it feels like the evaluations truly are all over the place where do you sit when it comes to fields yeah i mean he's my quarterback too and i've got trey lance just behind him had lance played at you know uh, michigan or something like that or minnesota even i i could have probably bumped him up ahead of him i think his ceiling is 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 tremendous we just don't know what his floor is but back to fields i mean i'm, I'm with you even the michigan state game you know they won 52 to 12 or whatever it was you know, there was some stuff I felt like he left on the field when, in, in terms of throwing the football. But, you know, the baseball stuff, look, how many quarterbacks, you know, Russell Wilson was flirting with spring training every Mahomes year. And, baseball you know, player, Tom, yep. Yeah, Tom yep. Brady, Matthew Stafford, whoever. I mean, you name them down the line. Um, you know, I just I, – I don't buy that. It feels like the kind of thing a team puts out there – as like, oh yeah, you know, who wants a shortstop who hit leadoff and you know is a phenomenal athlete? Can't have that, right? Because of his throwing motion. 
look, I, 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 I didn't put too much into that. I, I don't, it's not going to probably go in my write-up, but I'm with you. You know, there, there's still times when he has the, what are you thinking kind of throws. And then he has the Clemson game, you know, and it's like, there's yep. some volatility there. It's, it's really hard to say which one he's going to be definitively. And it could be both in the NFL. So I got to jump in then. Sorry, Marcus, for a quick follow-up. Concerned Jets fan. I hear your quarterback rankings, okay, and my ears perk up yeah. as the as I noticed there was someone omitted from the that top three in Zach Wilson. Hey, look, I get it. it, it like, in all seriousness, like, it, this is a really weird and tough year to evaluate. So as you look at Wilson, I guess, what are your concerns? What are your general thoughts of him? Well, it's hard not to be thrilled with what you saw last year, right? I mean, the, the you know, the, the playmaking ability is absurd. You know, he makes throws that other guys don't even attempt. Um, it was He was the most fun I had of watching any quarterback prospect this year, having not known as much about him coming in. I mean, I, I saw him when he was the freshman. They called the Mormon Manziel. And I, I saw the disappointing efforts in 2019 when he had a couple injuries sort of affecting him a little bit. But facing a less than stellar group of defenses and it's too bad he had you know utah and missouri and a few other schools on his schedule before that got canceled but you know it, it was exciting stuff but that offensive line created like a shell around him i mean they they gave him a beautiful pocket and he was you know when he pressed when he was pressured it was usually because he would sit back there kind of you know, surveying the field waiting for the the home run throws so i feel like that clock's got to get sped up quite a bit He's got the smaller frame and a little bit of injury history as well. And, you know, I don't, after Mahomes and some of these guys, I don't want to say a guy should tone down his style, but he can be his own worst enemy at times. And I think, you know, run himself into sacks and, and try to buy too much time for himself. It's not going to work that way, I don't think. Uh, Eric, we've seen in the betting markets over the last couple of days that the odds for Zach Wilson to go at number two have actually dropped a little bit. And I know Dane Brugler, a mutual friend of ours, has kind of gone on record now and saying that he's hearing across the league that maybe Wilson to the Jets at number two isn't rock solid and it potentially could be Justin Fields. Are you buying that at all? I mean, you know – I, I thought it was really interesting how that thing kind of came together fairly quickly and was put a rubber stamp on as if, okay, this is what we know. You know, Joe Douglas has some friends of the media, no, no doubt about that. But I don't know that he was giving out all the house secrets. Then again, the timing of the San Francisco trade happening on the day that Wilson was, was having his pro day leads me to believe that the 49ers knew who would be available. Does that yes. make sense? Yep. Like, I, I feel like they had an idea that Wilson was going to be the guy. And don't forget, Robert Saleh came from San Francisco. They helped get him a job in New York. You know, they, they're very tight. Shanahan, uh, Lynch, and those guys. Would it stun me if Saleh said, oh, yeah, we're taking Wilson, or we know who we like? But we're assuming it's Wilson. What if he told him it's Fields? And what if the Niners weren't going to take Fields there? Now Wilson's in play at number mm -hmm. three? Very interesting. I don't know. I mean, I haven't been able to get anybody from the Niners to tell me who they're taking. And I mean, I'm sorry, from the Jets, I mean. And I suspect it could be that way up until, you know, the final few days before the draft. This is obviously a very quarterback-centric draft, but you go down the that first uh, few picks, and all of a sudden, I think it becomes really interesting. We're going to obsess over that number three pick, which we're doing today, but like – as you get beyond that, 
um, this is a Kyle Pitts podcast, okay, Eric? Like, this is a, we are enamored with him. Um, I knew I yes. liked you guys. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then, so I guess, as you see beyond the quarterbacks, which can be, you know, overwhelming for people in terms of draft coverage, what are the next few names, whether it's an offensive talent, obviously skill position talent off the charts, defensive guy, who jumps out to you next? Yeah, and it's a weird year because I don't think there's a defensive player that I would, uh, you know, mention right off the bat. I, I, you know, Patrick Sertan's a good player. You know, obviously Micah Parsons is interesting, but would I feel great about picking either one of those in the top five? No, I would not. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the next group of non-quarterback names that I come up with are Kyle Pitts, my number two overall, right behind uh, Trevor Lawrence, um Jamar Chase obviously even with the year off you'd have to say is an exciting wide receiver prospect that kind of my belt ball mentality and all that and he's he's gonna be a good one I think um I'm a huge Jalen Waddle fan I, I I love the guy you know he's 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 great for me and a little bit below that is Penny Sewell who I'm not quite as infatuated with the way some people seem to be a couple months ago I think he could be really good but I mean, I, I also worry what his first year or two in the league could look like. And I think there's a, you know, a little bit of a learning curve for him. Hey, Eric, I want to ask you about the Bengals at five, because I'm really interested what they're going to do there. It seems like forever now, yeah. Penny Suell has been, you know, marked, you know, at that spot. But it seems like as we get closer to the draft, the Bengals might go in a different direction. Um, if it was up to you, who would you take at that spot between Suell, Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase? I think I would take Pitts, and and I understand people going, you're going to get Joe Burrow killed. I get it. I, I really do. Um, it depends what they think about their left tackle situation. I mean, if, if Jonah Williams is their guy, short arms and all, and they feel good about that, fine. They also have the kid from Kansas they drafted uh, last year that, you know, it could be a, a decent backup. But it seems like the guard spots are a little bit more of a concern in the Bengals' mind. Are you going to draft the left guard at number five or right guard number? Probably not, right? So that to me screams best player available. And in, 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 on my board, that's what you have. I mean, Drew Sample, nothing against him. Nice little player. He's a number two tight end in my book. And you put Pitts out there, heck, flex him out like a receiver. I don't care what you do with him. Just give him the ball, right? And right now it's T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and who's their number three receiver? You, you tell me. I don't know. Uh Auden Tate? I, I can't even think, honestly. So it's not like they couldn't use another premier target. Burrow had four of them at LSU and did pretty well with that. There are a couple more before we let you go. I'm curious how you evaluate both the running, you know, the running backs in this class and the way running backs are perceived. So I'll go back to last year. We saw Clyde Edwards Hilaire just kind of fall into this perfect fit and perfect situation with the Chiefs. You know, are we going to see something like that this year when it comes to a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne? These are guys that I, I mean, again, vastly different players, supremely talented. How do you rank your hierarchy in terms of running backs? And where do you see the first or second one coming off the board? And this may relate to one of the future bets I actually just placed <laughs> this week, of course. It always comes back to my, my individual bets. So where do you see that? Uh, where do you see those guys coming off the board? Yeah, and it's a great question the way you framed it, too, because I think, you know, obviously I can remember there was a video of it. Marcus might have seen it, too. I don't know. But there was a video of Jason Garrett talking about uh, when Felix Jones was being mm -hmm. drafted. I always remember because he said, you know, we have a, a lead back. We need that complimentary guy. 
And so what they were basically saying is, you know, we don't expect Felix Jones to be a three down guy, but he could be that perfect kind of, you know, fire to, uh, Mary Mary Barber. Barber. Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, his ice, I don't know, but right. I mean, the, the thunder and lightning, whatever you want to call it, there will be some teams who view Travis ATN that way. He wasn't a workhorse back, even though he had a lot of carries over his career. He was more of the, you know, 15 to 18 carry guy who could be a 12 to 15 touch guy in the NFL. Improved as a receiver, you know, has the juice, obviously. Whereas Najee Harris, even though he's obviously improved his receiving ability as well, projects a little more to that workhorse. So it's going to depend on where they fall. And, and you look and there's, you know, four, maybe five teams that might consider a back in round one. I've kind of wavered on this one. I've kind of felt like, and then the, the ultimate sort of who knows, like could Javante Williams be this year's Clyde Edwards Hilaire where he slips in ahead of those guys. You're shot, you know, not shocked, but you know, to, to the point where you say, okay, you know, this is, this is a little bit of a surprise. So I would guess Har- my, my listing is Harris, Etienne, um, Williams, but, you know, I guess it wouldn't stun me if, if any of the three ended up first. All right, Eric, my last question. And uh, you are yeah. the draft expert, and I need your help because I don't understand it. And I actually know Adam agrees with me here. Why aren't more people talking about Trey Sermon? Because I feel like he is every bit the running back that Javante Williams is. And I actually think he's closer to Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. What we saw in the Big Ten Championship against Northwestern was insane. Yeah. Uh, his his game in the you know the, the playoff against Clemson was incredible. Why, why aren't more people talking about Trey Sermon? Yeah, it's a great question. I had him number sixty one overall, good, so good. I have a pretty high you know appreciation for what he's done. It's been a lot of little things where it's like, you know, he was never really the the lead dog at Oklahoma. They always had a talented stable of backs there. He transfers and gets off to a really kind of sluggish start early in the year. People are kind of wondering why is he getting more touches. And then he explodes with those two big games and then gets hurt, you know, when his first touch of the national title game. It was It's frustrating because you're like, has he ever really had an opportunity to be the guy? And the answer is probably no. Then he goes out, good workouts, you know, and and – I mean, does it worry me that like 17% of his, his college rushing yards came in two games? A little. But at the same point, you have a guy who can put up bonkers numbers when he gets the opportunity. So, you know, he's got kind of a mix of power and fluidity that's really interesting to me. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being that kind of Joe Mixony type of back, something like that, I guess. This is also a Trey Sermon podcast and, and yeah. the, a podcast of a, of a lot of other guys. Um, Eric, what do you have going on before the draft? Where can people follow your work? Obviously, we really love your insight. So what do the next couple of weeks look like? And what are you doing uh, come draft time? Yeah, if I make it, if I make it all the way to draft, <laughs> I've got my top 100 series. I just got into the top 20 now. So we're getting roughly two, one or two per day. Uh, of my uh, top 100 prospects. And so getting out of the nitty gritty, the first round guys and all that, uh, I'll have one more mock draft. It's uh, thank goodness uh, before the, 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 the real deal and a couple of fun off the field stories for some of these guys who have great, you know, stuff beyond football that we wanted to tell. Awesome. Can't wait. That's my, that's my world. That's the kind of stuff I look yes. forward to. Uh, so look forward to yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. Uh, check out his work. Eric, appreciate it, man. Hope to have you back sometime soon. 
All right, fellas, thank you. Appreciate Eric stopping by. We'll be talking to him and others, I'm sure, in the future as we get closer to the draft. Great insight. But Marcus, now the story, we're going to put you on the spotlight. Uh, I have been really looking forward to this. This is not my mock draft, which is great because I can just stand here and nod with you or throw (laughs) rotten vegetables at you. Um, But no, really, really looking forward to this. This is part one of the Marcus Moser mocked draft. We need like a name for it, like like mock draft marathon. It's three weeks, something I guess. Like there you go. We'll, we'll come up with something catchy. All right. Yeah. Well, that, that, that we can do better than that. That was pretty bad. All right. In any event, we are going to start one through ten. Go down the list. I'll introduce it, and then I'm going to ask you. I'm going to pester you about something that jumps out to me. So number okay. one, Jacksonville Jaguars selecting none other than. Penny Sewell. No, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback Clemson. It's the obvious pick. I, there's no one on the universe that's going to pencil anything else in. Got, dude got married. He, like his, he had shoulder surgery. Uh, Urban Meyer doesn't care. He doesn't want to see any other quarterback. We know what it is. Let me ask you this, Marcus, though. Like, there has been questions about greatness and everything mm-hmm. else with Trevor. As you've undoubtedly watched a lot of him, how great do you think he can be? Special. I think he is the best quarterback prospect that we've maybe seen in the last 20 or 30 years. And I think right away, he's going to be just a culture changer for Jacksonville. Are they going to make the playoffs right away? No. But could this be a team that wins six, seven, eight games just because they solidified the quarterback position? I think so. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be uh, the best quarterback in that division pretty quickly. And I say that even if Deshaun Watson is on the field. Sports Illustrated did a feature on him, which I read before we um, came on here, which I thought was fascinating. Dude has such a level head. Really trying to just neutralize any thought of having a chip on his shoulder or like what a grounded guy. I covered him when he was in high school and a little bit in college as well. Um, He is the full package. I I want him to do well. I think he has a chance to be, frankly, live up the hype, which would be hard to do considering how crazy the hype has been um, for about five, six years. So we'll see. Yeah, I think if he fail if he fails, I don't think it's going to be his fault. It'll be the organization's fault for not getting enough talent around him. Like that's how good I feel about Trevor Lawrence. I think I, I, he, as long as Jacksonville can protect him and give him some weapons, they're going to be just fine. All right, number two, the most important pick in your top ten, <laughs> the New York Jets, Zach Wilson, quarterback. So look, in talking to Eric, it's kind of interesting. Maybe there's. Um, Maybe this isn't a done deal. It feels very dunnish to me, Marcus. You look at the betting odds. I think he was, what, minus 2,000 um, in terms yeah. of, uh, of going to the Jets. There's been a little, maybe a little movement on that, maybe a little uncertainty. But to you, this is still the guy the Jets are targeting. Yeah, on last week's podcast, I said I bet my life that Wilson was to pick at number two. I still feel pretty good about that bet. I think we're, I think we're okay right there. I, I think he's the, the perfect quarterback for the Jets. He gives them some flash. Uh, some big playmaking of potential. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that just walks right in and just, you know, leads the room and is in charge. I love Zach Wilson to the Jets. I uh, I do too. I know this is your mock draft, but I've thought about this a lot. You know, I this is the pick I would make. I think he is the right guy at the right time. Uh, the concerns Eric brought up, I think, are legitimate off- offensive line injury concerns, even frame, although he's bodied up mm-hmm. quite a bit over the last year. Um you got to keep swinging for a quarterback, man. That's, that's my mentality as a Jets fan. And that's a good guy to take a swing on. Okay. Record scratch. Interesting here. San Francisco 49ers. I just did a video this week for the game day. Said Mac Jones is the guy. This is the steam here feels a little bit real, but Marcus, not so fast. You say 
Trey Lance, North Dakota State quarterback. You have him at number three. What are your thoughts behind it? I just can't get behind Mac Jones being the pick at number three until it actually happens. And then probably five to 10 minutes until, you know, after that pick, I still won't even uh, believe that it happened. I just, I've got a feeling that Kyle Shanahan looks at Trey Lance and he sees all the potential in the world. And I think he looked at the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes model in Kansas city and thought, Hey, we can do that with Jimmy Garoppolo and Lance. Let's bring him in. Uh, let's develop him. And then in 2022, We'll go with Lance. I think that makes so much sense. I think Lance in that offense would be absolutely phenomenal. And until it's not the pick, I'm going to continue to believe that Lance will go number three. I, you know, I, I did a story on him uh, last fall and talking to people that really know the game, they were enamored with this kid. His one mm-hmm. game was meh, but it really was a terrible snapshot of him and his yeah. team was really bad. So I'm, very curious by the talent. I, I, the Josh Allen comparisons to me are, are actually appropriate. I think this is a guy, small school guy with just incredible ability. I'd love to, I think that'd be a great spot for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that were Lance. Um, all right. Number four, Atlanta, Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida, Kyle Pitts podcast. We are, we, and we're not alone. I feel like th- there's a lot no, of Kyle no, Pitts, no. <laughs> Pitts podcast. Two things on this Marcus. A, how special is he? And B, and, and I guess wherever way you want to start with this, what is the likelihood do you think that Atlanta could still trade out of the spot? Yeah, first of all, I think he's a generational tight end prospect. I think he's the best tight end prospect that we've seen since Kellen Winslow Sr. has come into the NFL. The complete package. Wow. He is a dominant receiver. Where you can put on the film and watch him go up against Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn, two top 15 picks in this draft. You can see him lining up inside. He can also block, which we don't typically see a lot from tight ends coming into the NFL. He, I, I think he might be the best player of the draft, even better than Trevor Lawrence. Wow. He just doesn't have the same positional value. But will the Falcons trade out of this pick? I think it's possible. Um, I actually think if Trey Lance is there, that's the pick. But in this mock, he's not. So they're just going to sit there and take the best player available. That's Kyle Pitts. I think the uh... – I think the draft really kind of starts here. I know number three is intriguing, but it's going to be a quarterback. It's a matter of which one. This is the spot where all mock drafts can explode, like like right in a moment if they trade, who they trade to, et cetera. But I, I agree with you in terms of best player. Pitts this year, he's an extraordinary he's, – he's like a superhuman yes. out there. I mean, it yes. really is such a unique piece that um, – I'm not sure the average fan understands what a guy like this could do in the right system. I just hope he goes somewhere awesome. This would actually be somewhere awesome for him. Oh, he, he, he'd be so good. They could ease him in. You know, they already have Hayden Hurst, so he wouldn't even necessarily have to start as a rookie. They could kind of use him in certain packages. But by 2022, whew, look out. I think Kyle Pitts would already be a top three or four tight end in the, in the NFL. I agree with you. All right, number five. Again, another super interesting pick. Uh, depending on what the organization wants, maybe Joey B has a say, but you have Penny Suell from Oregon, didn't play last year, opted out, has allowed, what, one sack, no sacks yeah, in his college career? It's like it's that. something absurd. So, Guy, I think, Marcus, that uh, his status throughout the opt-out has maybe gone down a little bit because heading into last season, this was the number two pick, really behind Trevor Lawrence. Like, he's not falling that far. So, for you – you're going offensive tackle over Jamar Chase, over Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, yeah. Suell, if he was there. Yeah, I think this is the hardest pick in a draft for me because I could certainly see them going with Jamar Chase because, you know, Joe Burrow wants him. We know that he's a, a pretty special wide receiver talent, but 
if I'm the Bengals, I just look at Joe Burrow limping around the locker room and around the, the building and say, listen, we got to protect him. We, we can't let what happened, you know, last year happen again to Joe Burrow. Go get Sewell. And if we need to trade up in the second round to go get a receiver, we can do that. Protect Joe Burrow at all costs. I was just going to say, I think Eric brings up a good point that we, we just talked about the depth of the Cincinnati wide receivers, but the depth in this draft is phenomenal. And you're not going to have that same depth, depth at offensive line. The drop off is more severe. So you could get a legitimate number two because Higgins looks like he's going to be a number one for them yes. later on. You can get a number three. I mean, you could do both. So I agree with you in terms of fit and, and really need protecting that guy is the utmost importance. It's more important than getting him a weapon, frankly, right yeah, now. And you, keeping can, him you, can find, you can find speed later in the draft. And that's really what they need at receiver is a burner. And there's, you know, there's guys between Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore, Tutu yes. Atwell, Dwayne Eskridge. There's guys on day two that can fill that role. There's not many guys that I project as future all pro left tackles. That's why you take him early. I agree. Tough one, but I totally agree. All right. Number six, the Miami Dolphins. Devonta Smith of Alabama. Look, I campaigned for this dude to win a Heisman for about two and a half months. Okay. So uh, I am all the way in on this. However, I am curious, you know, Marcus, it's again like your quarterback, maybe mildly controversial. You've got you know, Jamar Chase, you've got Jalen Waddell. Sounds like the medicals for all these guys are checking out, which is great news, of course. So why Smith over Chase? Well, Miami signed Will Fuller to a pretty big deal this offseason, and I think they want somebody that can get open and create separation. I just feel like Smith, you pair him with Tua, he could be the X receiver. He can win on all the variety of routes. I just think in terms of route running, he's the best in the class. And now you put him with Devontae Parker, you put him with Preston Williams and Will Fuller, that receiving core makes a lot more sense. He's not my favorite receiver in the class, but I think he's my favorite fit with the Dolphins. Miami can't screw this up. They, they they, like you, you cannot screw this up. You could argue that all of the picks that came before this, maybe, I don't know, Pitts going into the right system, he's going to be great, mm-hmm. have some a huge element of risk. There is you, – you pick one of these wide receivers and surround him with a competent quarterback and a competent system. They're, they're going to be great. It's, a, it's an awesome situation to be in, and I guess that's a natural transition to your number overall seven pick, uh, Detroit Lions, with that meat-headed meatball coach getting Jamar Chase, wide receiver for LSU. He did opt out. At his pro day, he put up bonkers numbers, of course. All the numbers of pro days are bonkers. But I think with this guy, it's legitimate. Marcus, I remember interviewing him uh, during the playoff and championship run and standing aside from him and just looking at his arms, how long they were. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. for a guy that's not that big, he plays a lot bigger. So, I mean, how big of a get would this be for Detroit? It would be huge. Uh, I think they have the worst wide receiver room in football right now with Tyrell Williams, who missed all of last year as a projected starter, Brashad Perryman, who has been injured basically throughout his entire career. Both of those are outside speed threats. What they need is that number one, the alpha, the X receiver, and it's Jamar Chase. I think if he's there at seven, it's a no-brainer pick, and it would be a fantastic building block for this Lions team that really lacks a lot of star talent. So more so than a quarterback in your eyes? I mean, it sounds like they're tied to Jared Goff, right? I mean, they restructured his contract, so he's basically tied to that team for the next two or three years at least. I don't agree with it, but it sounds like that's what they're doing. Hey, that, I, I know. I, and if you're going to have – if you're going to make that move, to your point, at least give it a shot. 
as it stands yes. right now, I don't think Goff has a chance. This would be yes. uh, the best wide receiver he's thrown to, <laughs> like immediately, um, yes. frankly. Yes. He is that good. Okay, quarterbacks, though. Number eight, mm. Carolina. They just got their quarterback of the future. My guy, my former guy, Sam Darnold. However, you are thinking Justin Fields from Ohio State is the pick for Carolina. Uh, interesting here. Now, Matt Rule has not uh, ruled any of this out. He's mentioned taking a look at quarterbacks. But with Sam Darnold, it feels like they're committing to him. And yet, in your eyes, what is the thought process here? Bring as many of these guys in as possible and see which one works? Yes. You're never going to compete in the NFC unless you have an elite quarterback. I think Justin Fields is a better prospect than Sam Darnold coming out. Uh, I think picking him at, at number eight without having to trade up is fantastic. You draft Justin Fields and you see who's the best quarterback. And if Darnold plays well in 2021, maybe you flip him for another draft pick. If Darnold doesn't, you play Justin Fields. Just continue to invest at the quarterback position until you find your franchise guy. Is there any chance that they trade out of this spot? Yeah, I think this is a team, you know, with Denver picking nine, I think Carolina could be the spot where maybe, you know, New England, maybe Chicago, Washington, maybe even Pittsburgh come up to trade. So if Justin Fields is available, I think you're going to get a lot of interest. And that wouldn't surprise me either. All right. Number nine, Denver. Guess what, Marcus? Defensive player. We've got one off the our board. First one. Our first one. Uh, and a guy that I like quite a bit, Micaiah Parsons from uh, Penn State. Again, another guy who opted out this year. Um, when he was playing, I'm not sure I saw a more dominant defensive player in terms of activity, yes. in terms of chaos. So what are your thoughts on the pick here? The quarterbacks, basically, the run is over. They're committed to lock. Uh, they've drafted, they invested a lot in wide receivers last year. So uh, were there any other names that you've thought on this spot? Because again, this is one where I think things get really interesting. Yeah, I thought about Rashawn Slater, who could play tackle or guard for them. But Mike Munchak is their offensive line coach, one of the best in the NFL. He typically doesn't need top picks to, to get a really good offensive line. I think this one is just a perfect fit. And, you know, in Vic Fangio's defense, where the linebackers are attacking the line of scrimmage, I don't think I've seen a better linebacker going forward than Micah Parsons in a long, long time. You put him on that already really good defense uh, with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and uh, it, it's go time in Denver. I think now the defense is starting to match the firepower that they have on they have on offense. I feel like this is another guy who's opt-out life, and maybe it's just the rise of the quarterbacks. The perception of him has diminished a little bit, slightly, over mm-hmm. the past eight months, and I, I just don't know. I just don't see why. I, I, I'm enamored with the talent. I think he has a chance to be really special at number nine. I think this would be a huge, huge win for Denver. I'm, I'm with you there. And we cap it off. A fitting place to cap off uh, part one, your Dallas Cowboys. Uh, interesting thought here in Patrick Sertan. Maybe not that interesting, frankly, Marcus. How easy is this to you to project the, the Alabama star to your Dallas Cowboys? I think it's pretty easy. The Cowboys need a cornerback. I think Sertan's the best one in this class. They took his teammate Trevon Diggs in the second round last year, and they absolutely love him. Uh, Sertan's a great fit in Dan Quinn's defense. He's long, athletic. He has ball skills. And most importantly, he can tackle. And that's what Dan Quinn loves in his corners. If he's there at number 10, Adam, I honestly can't see the Cowboys going in any other direction. I think that would be a home run pick for them. What's the gap between Sertain and the rest of the cornerback, the Newsom's horn? Like how big is the gap in your eyes from player one to two and three down the line? 
I think Newsom and Horner in the same tier. I just think Sertan's at the very top. There's just not a lot of concerns. Uh, Adam, we don't really see three-year defensive starters at Alabama, especially guys in the yeah. secondary that started as freshmen. Uh, I feel pretty good about Sertan's floor, and that's why he's the number one corner in this classroom. You could tell as a freshman that he was a dude. You like could You could really tell. Yeah. And that's rare. You're right, because mo A, most of them don't see the field that early. Uh, and B, they don't normally look that part uh, against some of the competition that they play. So I agree with right. you there. All right. So to recap, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, New York Jet, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Zach Wilson, San Francisco, Trey Lance, Atlanta, Kyle Pitts, Cincinnati, Penny Stool, Miami, Devonta Smith, Detroit, Jamar Chase, Carolina, Justin Fields, Denver, Mike Parsons, 10, uh, Dallas Cowboys, Patrick Sertain. We've got two more of these. Uh, this is fun, Marcus. I'm having way too it's much. It's like 10 out of 10. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, there it is. That's how the draft is going to go. So, again, next week we will go down the list from 11 to 20, and we will cover the rest of it. Uh, really looking forward to that. Before we say farewell, of course, we have to talk about the future and our bets for this week. But, Marcus, first I have to talk about the past, um, the Masters futures. Oh, yeah. Oh, so – Justin Rose, I had a uh, yep. hundred to one. We both did. Yep. And um, that, that was tough, man, because mm. it, it, like that rain delay, Justin Thomas, Justin Rose, I, I feel like that was my kryptonite, that rain delay on Saturday yeah. and Rose had been yeah. battling like throughout that point. That was tough on me. The hundred to one, he, he looked compelling. He sunk his final punt, which was really irritating as well. Um, an amazing tournament, by the way. Enjoyed it. You know you love the event mm -hmm. when you can put aside your losing future tickets. That would have been really nice and just like kind of bathe in the brilliance of it. But man, that was frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I had Justin Rose to finish in the top 20, which he did. Uh, so nice. I'll brag about that one. I also had Brooks Kepka to finish in the top 20. Top 20 uh, and that lasted all about, what, five holes? Uh, it, it was bad. So it was a very enjoyable tournament. I wish we had a little bit more drama on Sunday. We did for what, 10 minutes there? Uh, it, it, it got a little interesting, but uh, do you think this is a memorable Masters? Do you think when we think of the Masters of the last decade, this will be one that pops to your mind? I think because culturally the impact uh, with Matsuyama, like, like that, that is really interesting to me and kind of what it means on a grander sense. It didn't have those moments like – that's exactly what it, yeah. it didn't have like, you know, Xander Shoffley dumping it into the water on 16 was like the opposite and Hideki hitting it in the water on 15. I mean, it was just kind of clunky. So is it an all timer? Probably not in terms of what it means uh, from a significant standpoint. Um, it was pretty cool, but no, I don't necessarily think it, it still was missing something, but man, it was nice to have fans. It was nice to see it more active. Uh, it was uh Gosh, I love that event. I just love watching that on a beautiful television. Oh, it's fantastic. It just, can we please get the Masters on TV all four days? Like, I'm just, that's, that's all I want for the future. Uh, I agree with you there. Now, from a, from a betting standpoint, is there anything else that you have your eyes on right now? Yes, I just placed a big futures bet for the NFL that I'm actually going to be writing up later this week on the game day. Uh, Matt Stafford. 14 to one to be the MVP in 2021. Uh, I'll go into more depth in the article. So make sure you guys are looking for that. But I just think the combination of uh, that offense, I think that team is going to be really good. I think there's a chance he throws 40 ish touchdowns this year. 
I like the, the value of Matt Stafford right now at 14 to one, but I've also been told Adam, there's some better odds out there. I, I saw if you go to points bet 17 to one. So uh, take a look for those Matt Stafford odds. I am digging it. Of course it would, I would be remiss not talking about UFC too, Marcus uh, mm, Robert, Robert Whitaker this week. I, he's probably my favorite fighter in all of UFC. Uh, I believe the last time I checked, he was about minus 260. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a decent size price. Don't care. I'll be, I'll be laying the wood there. And I did see, I did see Poirier versus McGregor back on official. official. It's going to happen. We think with a crowd in Vegas opening odds, Poirier plus one Oh five. I mean, this is close to pick them. So we have to talk, we'll be talking about this endlessly. Of course, over the next few months, does anything jump out to you on that fight? We just saw it. And you know, does Connor basically can uh, Connor defend a leg kick is what we're talking about here. Yeah, I'm going to pour all the money that I lost into Conor McGregor before back into him. I, I agree. Can't, I can't stop. I, I, I'm going to make it all back here on July 16th. I'm, I'm looking so forward to that. I am in a text chain already where I'm saying the same thing. Like, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Time to double back up after the loss. Yes. Yeah, UFC has got a great card. Next week, of course, we've got Usman uh, Masvidal. We've got the first live crowd. we got actually a really good card, uh, even if the main event uh, odds are lopsided. So we'll dive into that. Marks any parting thoughts here as we enter another week closer to the NFL draft? Just remember, everybody, we are officially in lying season. Don't believe anything you hear over the next two weeks, uh, probably especially from me. So just, just remember, all this stuff is going to be nonsense over the next two weeks. I was going to say except here, but you're right. Especially here. <laughs> Don't believe anything you hear. Uh, a reminder, guys, uh, check us out. Uh, Apple, Spotify, be sure to share. Uh, we're going to continue to have some great guests on. We love your feedback. We appreciate uh, everything uh, that you guys do to help grow the show. And go check out thegameday.com. Check the prices and see what our affiliates have. Again, Eric at home, we really appreciate his time. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks.